The waiting is the hardest part. At the risk of getting a song stuck in your head, I'll remind you that those are Tom Petty's words, the singer-songwriter from his 1981 hit. Whether it's the hardest part or not, waiting certainly can be difficult. When we wait for something about which we're excited, the waiting seems to just drag on forever, delay our joy. When we wait for something that we fear, well, the waiting fills up with dread and anxiety. And then there are the times where we don't know exactly what it is we're waiting for. We don't know how things are going to turn out, what the result will be. We're waiting for an answer. What will the medical test show? Did I get the job I applied for? We don't know whether the result will make us happy or sad. And still, the waiting remains a challenge. Perhaps you were one of many who watched the news on Tuesday evening and followed along with incoming election results. The people had voted, the matters were determined and decided, but we, we had to wait to learn what the result of the vote would bring. Even those who stayed up late into the night had to go to bed without really knowing some of the answers. What party would have the majority in the House or in the Senate? And... One of the most common criticisms I heard over the past few days, why does it take them so long to find out? You've already heard today that the focus of our service is on the last day. On that day, Jesus will return in a visible, in a physical way to this earth on which he once lived. Only this time he's coming as a judge. And there are many unanswered questions for us. When will it be? How long before he comes? Will it be in our lifetimes? Will it be many years after our deaths? And perhaps at times you wonder, why does it take so long? The waiting was hard for a group of Christians long ago in a town called Thessalonica. The Apostle Paul had had once visited there. He had shared with them the good news about Jesus Christ, and that's when, when many of them, both Jews and Greeks, became believers. But others were jealous. They started a riot. They hoped to capture Paul, put an end to his preaching, maybe even put an end to his life. They didn't succeed with any of that, but they did succeed in, in pushing Paul out of their town, in, in moving up the timeline for him to go to another place. So Paul went to additional cities on his missionary journey. But he left behind in Thessalonica a congregation, a group of believers. And sometime later, still on that journey, he wrote to them. 
He wrote to them and he warned them that the opposition he had faced in Thessalonica would be the opposition that they would face in Thessalonica. They were being persecuted. They would continue to be persecuted. And Paul encouraged them that they needed to remain faithful in spite of that suffering, in spite of that persecution. And they did. Paul heard the report about these Christians in Thessalonica. And our reading for today comes from the next letter that Paul and his missionary associates sent to that congregation. They knew, they heard that report that the congregation had remained faithful in spite of persecution continuing, and so Paul wrote to encourage them again. And right away, in that very first chapter of this book of the Bible, Paul points the believers to the last day. He reminds them that even in their present suffering, they can look forward to that day when Jesus will be revealed and his righteous verdict will be fully known. The last day, Paul explains, would mean trouble for those who trouble God's people. Those Thessalonians had faced a lot. People were troubling them for a long time. Paul was forced out of their town on completely false pretenses after he had given them so much. And so they had lost this personal contact and connection with their, their mentor, their friend, the one who had first shared with them the good news of their salvation in Jesus Christ. And the trouble just kept on coming. Even after Paul was gone, even after the missionaries had continued their journey far away from Thessalonica, that persecution continued. Perhaps the Christians there faced some of the same accusations that Paul had faced. If you say that Jesus is a king, well, maybe you're opposing Caesar. Maybe you're not patriotic enough. Maybe you're not a good citizen of the Roman Empire. We're not really told maybe those people, those Christians in Thessalonica were, were beaten. Maybe some of them were even killed or threatened with death. They certainly suffered. And they probably wondered if it was worth it. They might have considered how much suffering would have gone away if only they had given in and abandoned Jesus, if only they had given in to the pressure that they were facing, they must have wondered about how any of that situation was, was fair or just, that they suffered as they tried to follow what God had told them and their enemies who didn't try, and in fact tried to work against the word of God, they prospered. And they succeeded. And no doubt, at times, these Christians wondered if it wouldn't feel good to get some revenge somehow. Maybe they should fight back. But Paul's answer was to point the congregation of Christ Christians, the Thessalonians, to God's justice. The time would come, the time would come when the enemies of God's people would receive trouble 
the trouble that they deserved for the trouble that they had brought. We read it this way. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels, he will exercise vengeance in flaming fire on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. The Thessalonians didn't need to seek revenge. They didn't need to worry that God wasn't in control. They didn't need to concern themselves with whether this situation was fair All they needed to do was wait. They could trust that God would carry out His justice. They could trust that God was still and is always in control. And in fact, God's justice as the last day reveals it is fierce about those who do not believe the good news of the gospel, our text explains, such people will receive a just penalty, eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from His glorious strength. The last day is the the final cutoff. Between now and then, any of us, any individual may face his or her death and the judgment that follows But that time is coming for all. Jesus will return as judge. And the punishment that he brings for sin and unbelief is an eternity of suffering. That's what God warns us about in the word he has revealed to us. And now we can understand that it might be a comforting thought to believers, suffering believers, that trouble would come to those who trouble God's people. But the prospect, even the thought of eternal destruction and God's, God's fiery vengeance is a terrifying one. The Thessalonians must have known at least known somewhere in their hearts that they deserve no better than those people. When we honestly look at our lives, we have to admit the same thing. What we deserve is destruction. We have not loved God, not the way that He calls us to love Him. We have not loved our neighbors the same way that we love ourselves Not even close. That's exactly why God brought the good news of Jesus to the Thessalonians and to you and to me. That Jesus lived the perfect life of love. That Jesus took the punishment that our sin deserved that He died and He rose again for us, and that He will come again not to bring destruction to us, but to bring relief. Yes, that last day will reveal, real, reveal trouble for those who trouble God's people, but it will also bring relief to those who are troubled. The righteous verdict mentioned in our reading 
is that on account of Jesus, God says we are not guilty. Jesus took our sin. Jesus took our guilt. Jesus took our punishment, and he took it away. But that's not always obvious now. It's not always apparent. It doesn't always seem or feel that way. Just like those Thessalonians, there are times when we face opposition for our faith. Maybe it's some degree of, of ridicule from those who think Christianity is unscientific or backwards or, or too ancient to serve any purpose for us today. Maybe it's the peer pressure that we sometimes feel to do what we know is wrong because everybody else is enjoying it. Or the pressure to act in a cruel way when we could be kind, when we have opportunity to love others. Even the suffering that, that comes naturally into this world that we can't pinpoint necessarily the reason for it, but the, the fact that we lose loved ones and we suffer pain and we have sicknesses and we have struggles with day-to-day -day things. All of those things could make us question, does, does God really love me? Is he really with me? Is everything really going to be okay? And God's word regarding the last day sounds a resounding yes to all those questions. Yes, God does love you. He sent his own son to die for you. And that same Jesus is coming back to take you to be with him. Yes, He is with you now and He is keeping you strong for that day through your sufferings. Think of the opportunities He gives you just on a Sunday like today to hear His Word, to study it together, to offer our thanks and our praises. Think of the precious gifts that He pours out in the sacrament of Holy Communion and the sacrament of Holy Baptism. Think of these amazing promises. That the very things that you suffer provide evidence that God has declared you not guilty. That he has made you worthy of his kingdom. Just as Jesus faced suffering, so his followers may and so his followers do. But not forever. The last day promises relief. It promises that Jesus will be glorified among his saints, that he will be marveled at among all those who believe. Or in the words of Malachi, the sun of righteousness will rise and there will be healing in its wings. You will go out and jump around like calves from the stall. Every problem, every pain, Everything that we face, every trouble right now is solved by this promise. The promise of Jesus and the promise of the last day. We can't find those answers in politicians or election results. And even though there are times when it is difficult and painful to wait for results like those, the waiting is not the hardest part. It's certainly not the hardest part for those who trouble God's people because they will face even more trouble, something much harder, 
trouble on an unimaginable scale. Meanwhile, for us who are troubled by sin, by unbelief, by persecution, by just the sufferings of this world that is still a sinful place, this is the hardest part. The waiting for relief. We are waiting for glory. We are waiting for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to return, to reveal what we already know, to make it plain and obvious that He has given us a righteous verdict. He has declared us not guilty because of His work. And so heaven is our home. Heaven is our eternal home. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.